this never wavering, never deviating from the strategy, it's tiring, it's exhausting. It's also, unfortunately for all of us, the cost of entry to be successful. The reason there's gonna be a billion motivational views today on YouTube is that people love the feeling of being motivated. They don't like putting in the work to do something about the feeling. Be optimistic instead of pessimistic. If you can't do that, you just absolutely have no chance of winning because it's all how one synthesizes what's in front of them. I don't think I'm that talented. I do think I've outworked people. I think that's real. I also think it's controllable. And I think anybody who's watching right now, they may not be the most talented entrepreneur or salesman or uh, you know an amazing uh, craft of content, but if they outwork somebody, that is a variable that feels in control. What's going on guys, your boy Elroy here and welcome back to the Your Boy Elroy MMA Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Prep Egina, and I'm here with my good buddy, Andre Rodriguez. Andre, how you doing today, buddy? Doing great. What's up, Josh? Well, not much to be honest. I mean, we had a fantastic interview with Zedekiah Montanez last week, which I am extremely proud of and I thank... Everyone who has given feedback on it, I want to thank once again Zedekiah Montanez and Jaquan from Liberty Rose Apparel for coming on last week because you guys just blew my expectations out of the water. You guys were the perfect guests and I'd be happy to have you guys here anytime. Right, Andre? Absolutely. They were fantastic, but there's a few things that have happened in MMA since then, so let's get right into it. Last week we brought it up, but we did not elaborate on it. So I just want to get your thoughts on the Rashad Evans Hall of Fame induction. Uh, I think it's great. You know, I'm so proud of him. You know, a lot of people forget that he was one of the first Ultimate Fighters. He competed in the heavyweight tournament, and um, he went on to become the UFC light heavyweight champion. So definitely an incredible storied career, and I'm just happy that uh, the UFC honored him in that way. Yeah, one of my biggest memories of Rashad Evans is that Ultimate Fighter season with him versus Rampage. I think that really, you know, as a personality in MMA, put him on the map. You know, he was already a really established talent. But as far as personality goes, like, that Ultimate Fighter, maybe the biggest, like, Ultimate Fighter feud of all time... It just stuck out so much to me. What are some memories that you have of Rashad Evans? Uh, one of my biggest memories of Rashad was definitely his rivalry with John Jones. I mean, John Jones was kind of seen as Rashad Evans' underling. And, you know, when things kind of fell off the map for Rashad, he was kind of upset. He felt like, you know, he wasn't getting the attention he deserved. And they took more uh, the route of trying to groom John Jones as the best of all time. And kind of threw him on the side. And you got to see a really riled up um, Rashad Evans and John Jones in that rivalry. And I thought that made um, such great headlines. And it made, you know, it brought a lot of popularity to the UFC. Because these were, at that time, two of the best in the light heavyweight division. And unfortunately, he didn't get the victory. But he definitely showed some, um, some perseverance in that fight against John. Yeah, we've seen Rashad go down a few times. But still doesn't change the fact that he's one of the you know pioneers in MMA and he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame you know and I wish him the best because he was supposed to fight not too long ago and some he had some sickness where he wasn't able to fight so that stuff is scary to me I don't want to see these you know 
it's sad for me as a wrestling fan when like wrestlers die. Yeah. Like the last like Kevin Randleman was probably the last like big MMA death. I would hate to see another person go. Yeah. It's always unfortunate when that happens because those were the guys who um, made these big sports like this happen, you know, and they they sacrificed their blood, sweat, and tears to make sure that, you know, the UFC and MMA in general will become the big sports powerhouse that it is today. Yeah, so with that being said, Rashad Evans from the Your Boy Elroy MMA podcast, Josh Prepigina and Andre Rodriguez want to say congratulations. Let's go on to another congratulations, and that is to one of our favorite fighters, you know, as a podcast collectively, Yoel Romero. We know that he had a suspension a few years ago from a banned substance. He was able to provide proof that what was in his body came from a supplement that did not label that substance. From there, he went on to sue the company, and finally, after like two or three years, he won that case against Gold Star Supplements for over $20 million, Andre. Now, I don't know what else you could say about this, but what if I told you that Yoel Romero, in this lawsuit, won more than all the UFC fighters that fought this year so far combined. I believe it. And uh, it's funny because when you see something like this happen, all you can say is, if he wants to cash out and never fight again, hey, I wouldn't even blame him. That's a huge payday for him. But, I, I, you know, I'm happy because a lot of times, you know, USADA gets this stuff wrong. And, you know, there is a lot of holes in their situations at times because... There are companies that have tainted supplements, you know, and you'd never really know because a lot of guys are just buying them over the counter or someone recommends them. But, you know, I'm just, I'm really happy that he got the justice that he deserved and, you know, um, I'm happy that he got a big payday. Yeah, so I warn everybody, you know, to not buy the stuff that they sell at Walmart. Not because it doesn't work, but because the stuff that's on the label, that's not all that's in there. Like... This stuff is loaded with a bunch of fillers that are really unnatural and just stuff that isn't going to sit well with you. That's why a lot of the times when I see these guys buy the protein, it gives them the poops like really bad, like, yeah. really bad because there's something in there. There's some filler that's just driving their stomach insane. It's crazy. So Yoel Romero got lucky. You know, I wish I could sue somebody for that <laughs> much money. You know, he's obviously not going to take home that much if he even sees, like, half of that due to, like, legal fees. And who knows if Gold Star is ever going to pay up anyway. Yeah. But congratulations, Yoel. Let's get into some fight announcements. There's been some fun fights that have been, you know, made these last couple days. Luckily, you know, we put off recording till Thursday and we got like two extra fights in and really, really high quality fights. But I'm going to start with the fight that everybody wants to see. Greg Hardy versus Juan Adams. Okay, let's move on to Christine Cyborg versus Felice Spencer. Now this is something, Andre, I know that you could sink your teeth into. 
Oh, absolutely. I love the turnaround that Felicia Spencer got. You know, she just beat Megan Anderson in the first round via rear naked choke in incredible and dominant fashion. And then she goes off and gets a fight with Cyborg. And I think this is a great fight for her to get be in line to fight for the title wherever whenever, you know, the title gets decided on who's gonna have it and you know, whether there's a rematch between Cyborg and uh um, Amanda Nunes and um, Cyborg gets a, an opportunity to come back and show that she still got it if she still has it and she if she wins she gets to place herself back into the top of the game and then potentially go for a rematch so it's a great fight for both fighters right now let me tell you something Andre this lady still has it and she's probably gonna kill this girl but I'm excited to see it because this girl was very promising but if she takes one of these shots from Cyborg. A Cyborg that is coming off a loss, her life is in danger. Absolutely. And I think that there's a lot at stake for, um, you know, Felice Spencer. But the good thing is that she fought Megan Anderson, who was arguably one of the most dangerous in that division. And she steamrolled her because, you know, she decided, no, I'm not going to get beaten up from the outside. I'm going to impose my will. I'm going to use my game against her and I'm going to take her out. And if she can keep the same mindset and game plan with Cyborg, we could very well see the next contender for the 145 women's belt. Yeah, for sure. So going from someone who isn't scared of Cyborg to someone who is, Jermaine Durandamine versus Aspen Ladd got made as well, which Aspen Ladd, she won her last fight. Very, very promising prospect in women's MMA right now versus like a veteran who really looked good in her last fight as well. Absolutely, and you know, whether people count GDR out a lot because of the, you know, the, the bad things that have happened, you know, when she was champion, at the end of the day, she's got her hands full with Aspen Ladd, but Aspen Ladd has her hands full with, you know, GDR because she is a tough matchup for anybody. She's hard to take down, you know, she's hard to get into on when it comes to the clinch game and on the cage. And her jab is one of the best I've ever seen as far as any woman in MMA. So Aspen Ladd's going to have to come in there with the right mindset to be aggressive, to be smart when she's inside, and she's going to have to take this fight to the ground fast. Because if not, it's just going to be a kickboxing match for you know however many rounds it's going to go. Yeah, and her striking is impeccable. Like, GDR is a beast. Like, yes, she's scared of Cyborg. But she is an animal in there. She looks so good in her last fight, if I could say that again. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> a fight that nobody expected, and this is the last fight that was made this week so far. A fight that no one expected. Something that we heard rumblings about, but the opponent kind of surprises me. Uriah Faber coming out of retirement to fight Ricky Simone. Another like really good up-and-coming guy. Is this a smart fight for Uriah Faber to take? To be honest, uh, I don't know. Yeah, you know, when I look at Ricky Simone, he's very dangerous. He's very strong. And the scary thing about him is that he's not afraid to go in there and mix it up to throw bombs. And Uriah Faber's fast. He's got great jujitsu, great wrestling. But, you know, we, we saw him against um, a couple of guys that were younger who were in their prime, and it just wasn't the same Uriah that we knew. It wasn't the same ferocious Uriah that went on a three-fight win streak and earned another title shot against Henry Burrell. I don't think that's the Uriah Faber we're going to see. But if it is, if he is rejuvenated, if he is ready to go in there, 
Um, I hope that it'll be a great fight, and you know maybe this is the kind of fight that your eye favor needs. I know that if he doesn't come in there with the right mindset, we we might see you know Ricky Simone steamroll Uriah. But you know let's just hope, like everybody can hope, even though a lot of people don't want to see this fight. But let's hope that it's one of the most exciting fights this year. Now, is your do you think Uriah Faber will last long enough to finally get that TJ Dillashaw fight? TJ Dillashaw out for two years. So, not January 2020, but January 2021. Will he last that long to be able to get that fight? It's it's tough because the division that he's fighting in right now, now it's stacked. Now there's a lot of contenders at 135. And, you know, when I saw him come back, I thought he was going to fight at 145. Because I thought that was the smartest thing for him to do. Yes, the guys are bigger. Yes, they're stronger. But if you come in with the right game plan, if you're smart, you take guys to the ground, you take less damage, you take them down, you submit them, you can make a campaign. 145 is kind of up in the air now. Although there are killers up there, Uriah is smart. And, you know, he's been there. He's been doing this for a long time. But at 135, I don't know if he'll be able to last long. And the last thing I want to see is another BJ Penn. You know, another, excuse me, you know, sorry, but Rashad Evans mm-hmm. getting knocked out, getting finished in almost every fight. You know, you don't want to see that because, you know, this is a legend of the sport. These are guys that we remember when we were younger and when we were starting off in MMA. And we were like, oh, my God, he, this dude's amazing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, I'm just hoping that if he does, I think that he would deserve that fight. And I think that that would definitely be a great main event. For a big card or even a co-main event, because that's definitely a co-main event worthy or main event worthy. Yeah, whether it's the TJ Dillashaw fight, the Dominic Cruz fight, or hey, if Cody leaves the gym and he wants to fight Cody, I want to see all those fights. So Uriah Faber, welcome back. I wish you the best of luck against Ricky Simone, because that boy is probably going to be extremely motivated to get you out of there. So, we do finally have, after having last weekend off, which was actually pretty nice, we do have UFC Fight Night in Stockholm. Anthony Smith versus Alexander Gustafsson. Andre, let's get into the preview to that right away with the main event. Anthony Smith versus Alexander Gustafsson. Andre, I don't know what there is to gain in this fight. These are the last two guys to lose to John Jones in pretty convincing fashion. Even though Anthony Smith went all five rounds, he got his ass whooped for five rounds. So, what's the gain in this fight? There is no gain. Um, we already know that after Tiago Santos fights John Jones for the title, we know who's next in line. It's either going to be Dominic Reyes. Volkan Ozdemir again, you know, against John Jones, or it's going to be Johnny Walker. Either way, I don't really see a point in getting a rematch going between either of these guys because I don't want to see another destruction of Anthony Smith. And I definitely don't want to see Gustafson try his best and get his ass whooped in one round against John Jones. But, you know, whether people like John Jones or not, John Jones is different now. He's much more dangerous. He's going in for the kill in some fights. And, you know, he's going to show that against Tiago Santos. You know, he's here because he wants to prove that he's still the best in the world and the best to ever do it. 
So whoever's going in there, they need to be smart. So I don't really see a point in this fight. But, you know, at the end of the day, these guys are just fighting to keep the lights on. Yeah. Anthony Smith did nothing for me in that last fight, and I pushed for him so hard. Not only because I hate John Jones, which is something that I let everybody know. Like, yes, I know he's really good, but I hate his character. Don't tell me you're a Christian. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. You show no signs of following Christ. Don't push that on me. But Anthony Smith just could not pull the trigger. We we talk about this all the time. Is he going to be able to finish Gustafson in this fight in Gustafson's hometown? Honestly, if I had to be honest with you, I really see Gustafson knocking Anthony Smith out in inside three rounds. And uh, I think the the reign of Anthony Smith's terror is pretty much over. When you go off and you start knocking everybody out at 205, to then get pretty much embarrassed for five rounds against the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter in the world, I don't really see how you can continue to finish guys. So, yeah, that's that's my take on it. Yeah, there's a few things that will probably come out of this fight. Either one of these guys win, they're going to fight Corey Anderson 100%. And whoever loses is probably going to fight Vulcan because he doesn't have an opponent now. Yeah. So so due to, you know, Alir Latifi, they did the face-offs. A few hours later it comes out that he has a back injury. So it's really, really unfortunate because I've really wanted to see that fight. I'm a big fan of Vulcan Ozemir. You know, he's fallen on some hard times, but the dude was a beast. And I felt like the competition just got to him. Like, there's a certain level, and he hit that level. And, you know, there's there might be a chance where he can finally make it back up there, but it just wasn't his time. And I was hoping that he can, you know, finish a Lear. Yeah, and you know, the the thing is that 205 is so stacked now. Everyone's dangerous. Everybody's got knockout power. And, you know, for guys like Alir, for guys like Volcan, the biggest thing is that if you want to get a fight with John Jones, like, you have to fight like a man possessed. Like, you can beat everybody at 205, but the real game plan for John is you have to do something that nobody's ever done to him before. You gotta, you gotta touch him on his chin, and you gotta make sure when you hit him, you hit him hard. But these guys, I don't know, it sucks because they're they're all fighting each other. They're all trying to get to that number one spot, and you know nobody's showing up when it comes to the the title fight. So yeah, there are some other names on this card that are you know somewhat relevant. We have Lena Landsberg, which is she's fighting Tanya Avenger. We have Jimmy Wanwa. Which, I mean, I guess you could say he's relevant because people know his name, but he's fighting some bum. And then we have this guy who, you know, hasn't fought in a while, but people are touting him because he's from SBG Ireland. Makwan Amirkani, which the only reason I know this guy is because I watch a lot of the, like, MMA funny videos on YouTube, and there's, like, this one clip from a press conference where like somebody asked him like yo you have this video on instagram eating an apple and it has like thirty thousand views why is that and he's like well i guess they like seeing me eat an apple or something like that like yeah i mean at one point maquan americani was he was one of the best at 145 but he took a long layoff i think it was due to injury or something then he comes back against jason knight and 
the dude nearly gets knocked out like four times in the fight. But, uh, you know, everybody's just trying to see if the hype was real. So, yeah, I guess that's really all it is. He's a funny guy. He has an interesting accent. But, uh, you know, let's see what he can do. Yeah, listening to Ariel this week, it looks like the layoff that he just took, he started an amateur boxing career and fought six times. Interesting. And he went uh, four and two. Okay, well, I mean, everybody has a right to their own avenue. Let's see what happens. Uh, I don't really get excited for this guy because he had the opportunity to show 140, the 145-pound division that he was there to stay. And um, Jason Knight was on like a two-fight skid, and he just went in there, and he, it's just crazy how he almost got knocked out. But, you know, that's all I really have to say about that. So, yeah, I mean, this, this card, uh, this card yeah. is dead. The one good thing, Andre, for us, the one good thing about living in the East Coast and having this card that's in Stockholm is that by the time you're ready to actually do something that day, the card's already going to be done. Yeah. Because exactly. the card starts at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Oof, no thanks. So, I don't even know if you're going to be up to see the beginning of this card. Nah, probably not. <laughs> but we'll talk about that card. And if listen, we'll talk about it next week if anything even happens. Yeah, if. If. One fight this weekend that I'm really looking forward to is a guy who I just became like knowledgeable about. You know, starting this podcast, me and you have a vision about speaking to local fighters. And in order for us to do that, we have to really start to do our research and find out who are the prospects that this city has. So we started last week. With the, again, if I can say it, a fantastic interview with Zedekiah Montanez. A prospect, you know, he's 4 0, I believe, right now in his uh, pro career. And he's a killer. And his name is Joe Bodybags Piffer? Piffer. Piffer. Joe Bodybags Piffer. I just watched a four minute video of his highlights and this dude is disgusting he fights for ring of combat this weekend on fight pass andre is there anything that you can let our listeners know about body bags yeah i mean this guy's got great size for his weight class and this dude has heavy hands heavy hands if this dude well i believe when he makes it to the big show he's going to be putting guys lights out and fast i mean this guy goes for the kill when he wants to, but he's got a great ground game. He's very intelligent. You could see it. The angles that he takes, the strikes that he throws. It's obvious that this dude wants to go in there and finish every opponent that he's in front of. And overall, I just like Joe Pfeiffer. And I think that within the next year or so, he's definitely going to either be in Bellator or the UFC. And I'm really rooting for this guy because I want to see what he can do against the top competition in the U.S. Because I'm looking at him right now. And how he's steamrolling every fighter that he's facing. And you can only imagine that he's going to eventually gain some popularity where the UFC is going to be calling or Bellator is going to be calling. Yeah, something that I noticed about him is that he's very well-rounded. Like, if you watch this highlight video, like, from knocking dudes out cold to, like, having, like, fantastic takedowns. Like, like his trip is incredible. Like, he took one dude down, like, six times in that fight and then ended up finishing him. Yeah, and also, like, his strangle from that rear naked choke, that's dangerous. Like, putting a guy out, that's not always easy. A lot of dudes have perseverance, but 
he did that easily. Did you hear the commentator in that one fight where they were like, wow, is this guy really going to finish this fight without throwing a single punch? And he did. Literally. And he did. That's, Incredible. That's dangerous. Yeah, he's fantastic prospect. I'm really looking forward to him. As well as he's a product of Sammy. Yeah. So I don't know if he's train just training with him or he's his manager as well, but that dude has some killers lined up on his resume. Yeah, I'm hoping I can get to get a day where I can train with this guy too. <laughs> Fantastic. So body bags, Piper, I'm so sorry. Body bags, Piper. This week on Fight Pass for Ring of Combat. Absolutely. It's going to be a fantastic fight. Everybody's going to know who this guy is now. And they're going to be like, oh, look, your boy Elvary's touting him. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Let's get into listener questions. Our first question comes from our good buddy, Ron Pashery Jr. And he asks, am I wrong in thinking Joe Rogan isn't as great as commentary as he's made out to be? I often find myself thinking his in-fight analysis is wrong. He's missing things, or he's just pushing an idea or a thought he said at the beginning of the fight. Andre, is Joe Rogan overrated in commentary? I mean, I don't want to say overrated, but I do hear what you're saying on Pash. I have seen that a lot, where there's some big moments in fights that Joe just kind of doesn't catch. Now... If I have to put a scale on who the best of the best is, I'm going to be honest, Joe Rogan is not my number one. My number one is Dominic Cruz. My number two is um, Daniel Cormier. My number three, I have to say, is Mauro Ronaldo. And number four is Joe Rogan. The reason being is because I am obviously a huge MMA nerd. And now that time has gone on and there has been new commentators... Oh, and I want to say number five is definitely Paul Felder. But um, you could see that the level of intelligence and knowledge and understanding of what's going on throughout a fight, you could see that guys like Daniel Cormier and Dominic Cruz have definitely taken that spotlight. I don't think that it's wrong to say that Joe Rogan is overrated, but I want to say that Joe Rogan is still one of the best. And when you see like his podcast, how he has the MMA show and the things he talks about, and he has been honest about this, but um, I still think that he's one of the best. But, um, you know, expect to see him hopefully soon retire. And I know that the the next in line is going to be Dominic Cruz and definitely um, Daniel Cormier. Yeah, I, I know where Ron's coming from because Joe Rogan's the type of commentator to grab a narrative yeah. and run with it no matter how the fight goes absolutely um for some reason in his podcast like he can admit when he's wrong yeah but there's something about his commentary where like when he has a narrative he tries to stick to it and like he refuses to change it the good thing is that he's a color commentator so he can kind of flow with it but the bad thing is that like you said now that the fighters are taking over color commentary they're really like like stepping over him like in popularity and knowledge like they're just better yeah and there's a huge there's a fine line between and it's like us like we can talk about fighters and what we see in the cage and how good somebody is but we don't really know because we've never stepped in there 
I have a bit of combat experience, but it's not enough for me to say, like, I know the game well, because I don't. But to have a fighter who has been in there, who's, you know, really put out everything, you know, the blood, the sweat, the tears, the time, you know, when they've sacrificed stuff, that, that's different because what's going on in the cage they've literally experienced. And there's nothing that you can take away from Joe because Joe has been doing this for almost 20 years now. And um, he has talked about stepping away eventually. And I don't see anything wrong with it. But it's a difference when you have guys like Dominic Cruz who haven't just fought in the UFC, but they've been champions. They've been the best. You know, they've done it. And Daniel Cormier, pound for pound, one of the best right now, used to be the double champ, defended both belts. You know what I mean? Like, that's just a different experience. And I think that that is so important. You see some of the best coaches in basketball and football and baseball are the reason, and the reason why they're the best is because they've played the sport at a higher level and understand the game so well. So, for me, with Joe Rogan, I feel like the UFC right now kind of needs him still to this point. Um, they're very young in their, you know, like, as a sport, it's a young sport still. Yeah. So, and it's continuously growing in popularity. And Joe Rogan is someone that the UFC really relies on when it comes to promotion. Yeah. You know, the UFC gets f borderline free promotion from Joe Rogan to over 90 million people um, a week. Yeah. You know, every time Joe Rogan says the UFC in his podcast, like, that's promotion. Yeah. He's getting over 90 million downloads a week. So... For the UFC to kind of just let him walk right now is, you know, he's a very valuable asset. And it wouldn't be smart for the UFC to just let him walk. The one thing I do think that Joe Rogan is fantastic at is the in-octagon interview. Yeah. Like, the the right after the fight, you know, the whole thing with Derek Lewis. You know, you think, we think it's a joke. But, like, who else can do that but Joe Rogan? Yeah. Yeah, and it, and it's a different setting, you know. Guys like Paul Felder does it, but it's not the same energy. Mm -hmm. It's not the same atmosphere that Joe Rogan can set because he can really rile guys up. But when he needs to break a guy down after a loss, but in the way that he can put his certain questions, the way that he approaches them, that that's something that a lot of people can't do. Now I'm gonna be honest, you know, um, when I see where Joe Rogan is at now with all these commentators that they have in these big events. I hate to say it, but I think that that's the right approach. I think that the new face definitely has to be a guy like Dominic Cruz, and I think Joe Rogan kind of has to take that back seat and be the the Mike Goldberg now. You know, the guy who is there but can still rile up the fight, who who can still promote the fight, who can still talk about those big moments that are happening. But as far as the intelligence and the knowledge and you know what's going on in a fight and really breaking it down like like as if they were listening to it in the radio, that has to be a fighter's you know um, pulpit. That has to be somebody who knows what they're talking about. Yeah, and the good thing about these new color commentators is you know when you think of a commentator getting something wrong, you think of like or like saying something ridiculous. You think of Mike Goldberg, right? Ronda Rousey gets knocked out. He says, oh, it's hard being a rock star. And Joe Rogan says, this has nothing to do with being a rock star. She's getting punched in the face. Like, those moments we're going to hear more often now with the fighters as color commentators because the fighters are going to take statements like that extremely personal as fighters. And honestly, 
no offense to Mike Goldberg, you know, I enjoyed him while he's there, but there's no way John Annick says something stupid like that. Yeah, absolutely not. And, you know, he, you know, John Annick's another guy who's a real stud, you know, and it's crazy when you think about it because he came from, you know, he didn't really come from a combat background. No, just a sports like broadcaster. But, you know, it, it's, it's different because these guys are taking this seriously. And I think the UFC made such a huge, huge up in their play because when you have guys like John Anik, you guys, you have guys like Paul Felder, Daniel Cormier, Dominic Cruz, like these guys are really taking it to the next level in each of their, um, in in the the events that they're doing. I mean, even to the last one we saw with Rose Namajunas and Jessica Andrade, the commentators that were on that were very smart. You know, they weren't just playing it like Rose was going to dominate her. They were still giving Jessica Andrade credit. Oh, she's she's pushing through these punches. She's getting inside, trying to be more aggressive. Oh, she's picked her up. Now she's going to slam her. Like, they're giving each fighter credit, and they're you're evening the playing field. And that's so important because in the sport of MMA, you never know what's going to happen in a fight. You know, and we saw it. The reality is we could have thought, okay, the next four rounds, Rose is going to dominate her. Jessica Andrade maybe slam her here and there, but... Nothing's really going to happen. She's going to dominate. But no, there, there shouldn't be a narrative in each fight because look at what happened. You know, and that was a catastrophic um, ending. But, you know, to be able to call that, you know, that, that has to be so amazing to be in that atmosphere in Brazil. You know, that's that's a lot of pressure for somebody. Yeah, and something I like now that the commentators are doing that, you know, a lot of people probably won't even pick up on is like certain moments in the fight where you don't need to talk. They're not talking. Yeah. And that's like a lost art when it comes to like commentating. Like, yo, if you have to just let the fight play out and not say anything, it's okay. Shut up, sit back, and let the audience, you know, take it in. Yeah, because there's some moments, you know, when these guys are fighting and, and it becomes a stalemate where they're just on the cage, probably stopping one's foot, another one's going for body shots, they're both tired. You don't have to say anything. It's pretty obvious that nobody wants to hear, oh, yeah, he's got him pressed up against the cage yet again for another round. It's been three minutes. He's been pitter-pat shots back and forth. Nobody wants to hear that. The important stuff is what matters, you know, when both guys are exchanging. When one's got a huge takedown, it's a, it's a fifth round. You know, he needed that takedown. Like That's the stuff that people want to hear. That's what's exciting. The next two questions come from me, Andre. All okay? Right. Cool, cool. So... We forgot something in the preview, and I really want to get your thoughts on this. So this weekend, Madison Square Garden, Anthony Joshua versus Ruiz Jr. Andy Ruiz Jr., I guess. What are your thoughts? I agree. My next and last question, Andre. When it comes to knockouts in MMA, do you have a problem with promotions pushing like the fact that this guy like got his head knocked off? We saw it with the PFL where like that dude took that disgusting knee this past weekend and like the PFL's posting like gifts about it like Mortal Kombat gifts and stuff like that. Do you think that that's wrong? Do you have a problem with that? I do. I mean, uh, one of the first kind of noticeable moments like that was 
the UFC painting Nate Quarry as the first guy who really got starched in the UFC horribly. And um, he talked about it years later about how humiliating that was, you know, being a parent, being a coach, and how when the UFC is doing, like, big promotion stuff, when they're talking about, oh, 20-year anniversary, oh, this happened, oh, yeah, Nate Quarry got literally starched, and it's embarrassing. But, you know, they're going to do it anyways. It was the same thing as when Conor fought Khabib, how they were using that whole bus incident as, you know, a promotional thing. And it's it's kind of just off-putting sometimes because you're like, dude, that was illegal. Or, dude, like this guy's kid's watching this for the rest of their lives. They know, now, okay, well, my dad got literally KO'd horribly. But, you know, it's part of the sport. You know, it's it's the same thing as when you see uh, Big Knock when he fought Frank Mir and he got his, his shoulder nearly ripped out, his whole arm nearly ripped out. It's just part of the sport. You can't really be upset at it. But it is, you know, it does put a bad taste in my mouth sometimes because at the end of the day, this guy still has to go to the gym. He still has to work hard and hope that he could be at the top of the game eventually. And, you know, that is kind of hard to be motivated with. Yeah, I definitely felt bad. Like, like okay, I love seeing the highlight reel clip. Like, that's enough. Like, from there, like, the promotion doesn't need to be posting, like, this gif of, like some naruto thing where like the guy gets hit and blows up yeah like it's just too far i think it's unprofessional and i think it's extremely unfair to the fighter that got hit like that's your employee and you're like basically calling him a bum yeah and what's worse is that you're paying him he's on your payroll and um for you to treat him like that is definitely not fair you know, there's a fine line between, you know, the professional sport and just making fun of somebody just because, you know, they, you know, they had a bad night. And um, I think that PFL, even though they used to be World Series of Fighting, they're still getting there to where now they're becoming, you know, a lot bigger now. You know, they're definitely in the third line when it comes to UFC Bellator and PFL because of this big money tournament that they're doing. So, mm-hmm. You know, let's let's just hope that that doesn't happen again. Yeah, like you can't do stuff like that when the first name or the first word in your organization is professional, because that's extremely unprofessional. Yeah. And if I'm that guy, I'm pissed. Like no one signs up for this wanting to lose unless your name is Bob Sapp. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's like, true. Like I was really upset when I saw that. Yeah, it's true. I mean, at the end of the day, these guys are going in there. They're putting it all out there. It's not just the fight. You know, their name is on this. You know, their legacy is at stake. If they don't win this fight, this is what people remember. And it would be nice if you show a little more respect to these fighters. Because at the end of the day, they're taking the risk and you're not. They're putting it out on the line and sacrificing it. And you're just promoting it. You're just giving them the platform, the event. Show respect. At the end of the day, when you look back at the old days, there were gladiators fighting. If you had to promote these guys to the to you know the Coliseum, they were killers. You know you couldn't embarrass them like that because at the end of the day they were dying literally in there, and you have to you have to treat them the right way of what they are. They're warriors, mm-hmm. and I know a lot of fighters take pride in being a warrior. You know this isn't a spectator sport per se, like how it used to be, like in boxing when it was huge, but not a lot of people were getting you know hurt like that. Now guys are getting you know kicked in the head. They're getting kneed to the point where they're getting skull fractures, you know, guys getting arms torn off, you know, their legs are being snapped in half. I mean, this is not um, 
a sport for wussies, how I would say. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think it's an amazing time now, but stuff like that really grinds my gears. Yeah, especially as someone, like, who has, like, hopes of one day performing, like, I couldn't even imagine the way you, like, knowing you, I couldn't imagine your reaction if, like, your promotion did that to you. Oh, no, I I would probably end up getting really upset, going straight to the top and being like, yo, man, like, don't ever do that again. I'll put your lights out right here in your office chair. <laughs> well, Andre, I hope you never do that to me. No. <laughs> With that being said, that's this week's Your Boy Elroy. I am Josh Prep Egina. You can find me on all forms of social media, at Elroy Prepson, one word. Andre, please tell them about yourself. Well, everybody, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter, one word, Flow State Dre, and you can also find me as Andre Rodriguez on Facebook. Thank you again, everybody, for your support, um, for your reviews, and I hope you continue to listen to us, and we'll continue to bring great content. Yeah, for sure. I said it at the beginning, I said it at the middle, I'm going to say it again. Thank you so much to Zedekiah for coming on once again. And look, I'm going to put it out there. If there's any other local fighters who have an interest in providing their story and, you know, having this outlet with us where we can talk and, you know, just... I want to hear about your mindset. I want to hear about how you got into the game. What's your progress, you know, from first fight to right now and what you see going forward. Please reach out to us. We just gave you our social media, so feel free to hit us up and we'll get in contact with you as soon as possible. If there are any new listeners, we thank you for coming on this week and we hope to see you guys next week. If it's your birthday, happy birthday. Enjoy the fights this weekend and we'll catch you next week.